Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Well, he's back. Tenacious Ty Clevenger, arguably the only lawyer in America working on behalf of his clients to get to the truth about what happened to murdered DNC staffer Seth Rich. He's been giving the FBI records chief, David Hardy, major heartburn with his incessant pushback against the FBI regarding Freedom of Information Act requests having to do with Seth, Rich's death, Seth Rich's death. Uh, major questions remain surrounding possible connections between Rich's death and sending the DNC emails to WikiLeaks. Rich was shot dead two weeks before WikiLeaks released thousands of internal emails and documents taken from the DNC server. Clevenger is representing Texas resident Brian Huddleston, who filed a Freedom of Information Act request in April, asking the FBI to produce all data, documents, records, or communications that refer to Seth Rich or his brother Aaron. Clevenger has also represented former Fox News financial analyst Ed Batasky, who was ridiculed by the press for talking about a conversation that he had had with Seth Rich's parents, indicating that they knew that their sons had been involved in the DNC information getting to WikiLeaks. Because of the legal battles he's waged on behalf of these two key clients, Clevenger is sussing out more information about Seth Rich than anyone so far. And the picture just gets dirtier and dirtier. Welcome, Ty. Good morning or good afternoon, I guess it is. I can't even tell what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, we're all living in a box these days. Oh, you're not kidding. So, all right, so before we, because we're gonna have to go back and remind our listeners about the whole saga, but why don't we get into that by having you talk to us about what happened through your efforts that was very, very important recently. Well, I got into things a little late. Um, actually, my youngest brother persuaded me to start asking questions. No, no, that's before before we get to the history sure. of that. Yeah. What just happened? Tell oh, us what, what just happened. happened. Yeah, the big yeah. one. Well, um, after three or four years of denials, the FBI has finally admitted that not only does it have records about Seth Rich, it has 20,000 documents or pages about him. Uh, plus, they have his laptop, and the 20,000 is not even referring to what might be on his laptop. So they've got a lot of documents that they've been hiding. Okay, so let's go back to when you started filing uh, for FOIAs, and then you started these legal proceedings because you weren't buying what they, what they gave you. So what is it that you filed for? What did they give you? Talk about that exchange, because I sure. find it very telling about how the FBI um, fulfills its public service to the public. Well, I think you're on something. There's a much bigger story that, that I think we can now say it, it, with some confidence about what's going on for FOIA generally at FBI. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, back to your, your original question, I, I filed a FOIA in 2017. As I mentioned, my, my brother kind of prodded me into doing it said you got to look into this so I did and they gave me the runaround so I sued them here in Brooklyn where I live 
And during the course of that, um, David Hardy, who's the section chief, or was rather the section chief in charge of the FBI records division, um, produced an affidavit saying that he, they had searched the FBI's uh, record indices, all these different indexing systems in the FBI, and they found no records about Seth Rich. And even from his affidavit, there, there were some tells. I mean, because he, as part of it, and this is standard in any FOIA case, he would explain the index system of the FBI and how they search it. Well, he acknowledges in that standard affidavit that it's up to the agents to label something or to put it in the index. So it's very obvious if they don't want something found or that, you know, they don't want it being subject to FOIA, they just don't put it in the index. And, and so, there are no laws or regulations that say that they have to properly uh, file these things so that they are accessible to the public? Well, that's a great question. There are actually, um, you know, that it, it is supposed, they're supposed to, under the law, they're supposed to conduct a reasonable search. The problem is the courts, at least for the FBI, have interpreted that to say that, well, if you search this index system, that's enough. And so in the case of Brooklyn, um, it's very exasperating. I, I, I showed the judge clear evidence, excuse me, that there were records that, that the FBI had that did not show up on the index search. So backing up a little bit, while this case was ongoing in Brooklyn, Judicial Watch um, got a bunch of records on an, an unrelated request related to Peter Strzok and uh, Lisa, what's her face? His Paige. Paige, girlfriend. And Judicial Watch didn't even catch this, but buried in that document dump were, were some uh, email exchanges referencing Seth Rich. And then around the same time, Michael Isikoff interviewed the um, federal prosecutor who was assigned to the Seth Rich murder case. And she said in the interview that the FBI had looked into this uh, laptop. So I took that back to the judge in Brooklyn and she just shrugged and said, ho-hum, no, they don't have to do any more searches. And she dismissed the case. Um, and so then I, I, my client in Texas, Mr. Huddleston, I filed a similar FOIA, but with a lot more detail this time, referencing some of what we already knew. And uh, we have, I think, a, a better court, a court that follows the law and the FBI knows that now. And so uh, I think they've kind of run out of excuses. So now they're saying, well, you're gonna have to wait because we have these thousands and thousands of documents. Right. Now, in the meantime, <clears throat> the, what about the NSA? What happened that is, there? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. Separate case, uh, separate FOIA case that is not as far along. Um, they have, a. Um, a report, when I say they, I mean the government, and not just NSA, but, but CIA and some other agencies um, were sued in the separate, separate FOIA case. And I filed that on behalf of a, a nonprofit in Texas that I put together. And that one seeks uh, all kinds of Seth Richards from these different agencies. They, they have to report back to the court by January 15th, um, the status of their search. Uh, and, you know, and when they'll start producing things. So hopefully, uh, you know, in about a month, we'll have an idea of where that's going to go.
Yeah, but what about the NSA responding to a FOIA saying, uh, well, we have some documents uh, related to Seth Rich, but we can't release them uh, because of national security concerns. Yes, we, we did address that in the, the latest FOIA request. We cited to them an executive order. The number escapes me off the top of my head. Bill Benny knows it by heart, um, but it uh, basically says they cannot use classification as a basis for seal concealing misconduct or criminal activity. And, and that's, that would be completely applicable here because um, this was at the root of the whole Russia collusion delusion. And it would show that major intelligence agencies have knowingly uh, concealed evidence and, and actually participated in fraud. So if this goes to court, and I'm almost certain that it will, um, they're gonna give, give me the same answer, say it's all, all classified. I think there's a strong chance that if the judge in Texas is gonna say, sorry, you can't use this to sweep things under the rug. Okay, so now that people have an idea of this FOIA wrestling match and what is coming out of it, let's, let's get to the information that has turned you into the Seth Rich lawyer dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you start. That was my aspiration in law school. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you took on Ed Batowski, right? right? He was your first client having to do with Seth Rich. Right. Talk about Ed's story. You know, it is, it's, it's, I love Ed and it's, it's just, he and I have since become personal friends. It is absolutely awful and tragic what's been done to him. He, of course, uh, assisted Malia Zimmerman of Fox News when they were putting the story together back in 2017 about uh, whether or not Seth was involved in the leaks. And you know, there's a real backstory on, on that uh, involving both Ed and Malia, and I have to be somewhat careful now when I navigate it um, because there was a settlement agreement, of course, between uh, involving the Seth's parents and Fox News and, and Ed. But I can tell you that uh, even Fox News, or perhaps especially Fox News, has, has behaved treacherously um, toward Ed Butowski and Malia Zimmerman. Uh, if you had told me, you know, four or five years ago, something like this could have happened, I wouldn't believe you. But the, the extent or the lengths that people have gone to uh, to destroy anybody who questions the official Seth Rich narrative is beyond anything I've seen before. And which, you know, the more they do that, uh, for, you know, you can relate to this. There are some of us that when we see that, the more they do that, the more we want to go after it because we know there's a story there. Right. Um, and that's been the case here. I, I believe Ed and Malia will be fully exonerated. Uh, I believe uh, Fox News is going to have some egg on its face for sure for throwing Ed and Malia under the bus. And I think uh, the family of Seth Rich is going to have a lot of explaining to do. Okay. Let's let's go back to where this all started. This all started with uh, a Fox 
news analyst, um, Ratner, Ellen Ratner, who said that she had gone, when was it? Uh, it was November, November 2016, 2016 yeah. that she had met for three hours with Assange and he had said the Russians didn't do it. And he had said it was insiders uh, from the Hillary campaign, uh, disgruntled people who uh, did this, who sent the information to WikiLeaks. And so that was the first, and she said that she was filmed saying that. And right. then Ed Batowski comes with this story. He knows Ellen, obviously. They worked at Fox together. Ellen was, he considered her a friend of his. And he tells th this story about how Ellen tells him that Assange wants her to call the riches and tell the riches. Now, I want to make sure I get this right. Tell the riches that they should know that their sons were involved because if they know that, that might help with the murder investigation. Is that correct? Almost. Uh, the only slight tweak I would make on that is that um, Ellen told Ed, according to Ed, only that their their son, singular, oh, was son. responsible for the, for the leak. And then but when, when Ed spoke with Joel Rich, who is the father of Seth and Aaron Rich, that uh, according to Ed, Joel said, I know what my sons, plural, have done. So according to Ed, when he relayed this to Joel, Joel already knew, knew about it. Okay. Uh, so, so, yeah. All right. And he's your client. Then what happens? So Ed agrees to, um, the, the family, Joel specifically, tells them they don't have the resources to hire a private investigator. Okay, so, so these are people ostensibly of very modest means. Right. I mean, they're not poor, but they're not rich. Well, they're rich now. They were, they, well, they were, thanks to Fox. The, well, the, they weren't rich at the time. Um, so, um, yeah, they, they claim they didn't have the money to afford an investigator. So Ed knew Rod Wheeler from the Fox News green room because Wheeler was a contributor and was on all the time. He was an FBI guy, Wheeler. Actually, right? Wheeler was uh, DC police. DC police, I'm sorry. But okay. uh, it was Ed's understanding that uh, Wheeler was an ex-homicide detective. I'm, I'm not sure he actually was, but that was the perception. And so that, that uh, Wheeler would be able to help with something like this. So Ed brings Wheeler on board and uh, Wheeler goes to work. Ed pays for, for Wheeler, but Wheeler's actually worked for the, the family. He, so he offered as a gesture, I remember him saying, I felt so badly for them that I offered to right. pay for this guy. Right. And then that blows up in his face. Absolutely, yes. Um, so Wheeler, was digging into this, claiming to make all kinds of progress through his his contacts in uh, in DC in the Metropolitan Police in DC, and was sharing some of this with Malia and Ed as Malia was working on the story, and uh, things got really weird because Wheeler fed all of this information to Malia, and we've got the texts and the emails where Malia 
re sends it back to to Wheeler. That's Malia Zimmerman on Fox. Right, yeah. right. And so Wheeler reviews everything that's attributed to him, the quotes and all, and is okay with it. And so Fox runs the story and almost immediately Wheeler starts backtracking and claiming he, claiming he didn't say this stuff. Well, it's, it's in writing. He did, you know, he approved it. He but got he the phone call. <laughs> right. Right. And he did. And uh, it's, I don't know what to make of Rod. I mean, I do think he probably found some good stuff as an investigator, um, but somewhere along the way, somebody got to him. I think I, if you get a scary phone call, you know. Right. You well, I, it, it may have been something even, uh, you know, less defensible than that. Um, because according to Ed, Ed, Ed was in on some phone calls. Rod wanted to sue Fox 5 in DC. And the reason he wanted to sue Fox 5, which is a local affiliate, is because they interviewed Rod and they did attribute some things to him that were not accurate. And so uh, Ed was helping Rod to find a lawyer, was in on some of the conversations with a lawyer. And then a week or so later, Ed says he hears from Wheeler, well, he's found a different lawyer and he's been promised $4 million. Oh, oh. Yeah, and it turns out oh, the new lawyer. That's the phone call he got. <laughs> yes, yes. $1 and, million dollar phone call. Right, right. And shortly thereafter, Wheeler files a lawsuit, not against the local affiliate that did misrepresent what he said. He files this crazy voluminous lawsuit against Fox News. And the guy who files it is Doug Wigdor, who is a notoriously unethical, ruthless lawyer. And, and the whole thing's fiction. It ends up being thrown out. The, the case ends up being completely dismissed. It's bogus. So he didn't get his $4 million after all. No, he did not. Didn't get a dollar. Well, so now what's up with this uh, Fox settlement? I mean, I, it's interesting because you read the Fox report and they say, you know, they've settled because they lied about the fact that Seth Rich was killed in a botched robbery, even though there's, I mean, I don't even think the case is closed yet. No, I, I don't. Well, here's how we know he that. wasn't robbed. He, we, Seth we, we, know, robbed. we know it's not closed because if it was closed, the FBI would have returned the laptop to the family. So they're still holding the laptop as evidence. Evidence of what? So how can you, how can you win a lawsuit um, uh, based on allegedly bad reporting or misreporting or lying about when you don't have proof about what you're saying is the truth. Well, Am I making any yeah, sense? No, there? Yeah, you're, you're totally making sense. Um, the ball was in, in the court of the rich family, specifically the parents, Joel and Mary, to prove that Fox made false statements. And I was not directly involved, but I was indirectly involved in, in some of those discussions. And I pleaded with a lawyer for Fox News, don't settle this case until we get the records from the FBI. Because at the time they were in discussions with the FBI, I already had one email, and this would have been what, two months ago, where the FBI was acknowledging, yes, we did find records and we're, and we're gonna, set a schedule to produce those records. And I let the lawyer for Fox News know, look, don't settle this yet. 
um, there's, you know, there's evidence coming. And I, I'd actually told Fox News for years, you guys need to get aggressive with discovery. Here's what you need to search for. Here's who you need to depose. And most of that, they just ignored. Um, Why? And Why do you think so? There's a battle going on inside of Fox News between Rupert and his kids. Um, Rupert's more conservative, but, but most of his kids are more liberal. And, uh, you know, Ed Butowski uh, will tell you that he was sitting in a room with a Fox executive uh, when a phone call came in saying, you know, take down the, the story about Seth Rich. And the order was attributed to Catherine Murdoch, which is one of Rupert's daughters-in-law. Um, so there's, you know, we've seen a lot, you know, since now everybody's kind of seen how two-faced Fox can be. Um, a lot of conservatives have had to wake up to, to the games that Fox plays, but this has been going on for a while with this story specifically. Um, but they, they weren't trying to win the case. Um, in my in my professional opinion, they were just kind of going through the motions, um, and the the real the real issue that caused this case to settle was the fact that they issued subpoenas for the testimony of Sean Hannity and Lou to to have to, to participate in depositions. So they just threw in the towel, basically. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what impact did that have on Ed? Well, I can tell you that, and I'm going to be careful, try to be careful how I say this. Ed did not particularly want to settle, uh, but Fox put a tremendous amount of pressure on him and Malia um, to settle, which right now I can't talk about. Hopefully someday I can give more detail about that, but particularly awful in Malia's case, you know, they tell her, okay, we'll provide you with counsel. You play along with us, you know, and we'll defend you and so on and so forth. And then they suddenly throw in the towel and then they throw Malia under the bus and fire her. Um, oh, so, well, Cheryl yeah. Atkinson, who had her experience with uh, CBS and they told her the same thing. Cheryl Atkinson was, was very smart. I mean, she knew enough not to trust, right. not to, tr you don't trust the lawyers of the company you're working for when they're no. under under this kind of siege. It, yeah. Everybody has to look out for themselves in this in these situations because they are going to throw you under the bus so fast if that's the expedient thing to do. Period. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So so in this settlement, uh, I, I suppose you don't know what the terms of the settlement are. I only know what the terms are between my client and Fox and the riches. I don't know what Malia's terms are. I don't know what the term, actually, I don't know what the terms are between Fox and the riches. I just I'm, know. I'm just trying to, who pays whom? Uh, I, I really, I can't, I can't, okay. I can't I, right now I can't say that. Yeah, I can't say um, but yeah, it's, it's a complicated mess. I but, mean, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I, I don't know if Fox pays the riches 
and uh, well, that's what's been publicly reported. He um, pays the riches, but he also Fox also pays these other former Fox people to go away and shut up. Um, well, Isakov, Michael Isakov reported that that the Rich family was paid seven figures. I don't have any personal knowledge of that, um, but frankly, it would not surprise me. Uh, that's that's Fox's uh, pattern is throwing throwing money at problems. Well, the thing with the riches, I've always felt like the riches, given given the power that they would be up against if they were truly looking for the truth on this matter. I, I, this is, I'm telling you how I feel. I'm not saying this sure. is what is. I feel like this is a classic, as the, the Mexicans call it, plata o plomo. You know, you take the money or you take, uh, you take destruction. Right. You know, lead, right. They call it, but destruction in whatever ways, you know. And so they, I think the riches are in, metaphysically speaking, one of the most dire situations to parents who lost the child to murder can be in right you know yep. on one hand i really really feel for them but on the other hand i feel like in the end this case is going to turn out to show how far down the path of complete and utter destruction of our democracy we really are yes i totally and, agree and how corrupt all these agencies that operate on our tax dollars really operate for a very small number of people at the top and the rest of us can just you know right take a flying leap exactly right. because i okay Enough. I, I'll get off. Well, I will tell you this. This is, and I and I have a, a very similar suspicion about the family, and I'll tell you why. I noticed that in the Aaron Rich case, when I was interacting with some of the lawyers, they were almost uh, what's the word apoplectic, you know, about the idea that I had accused Aaron of committing computer crimes, um, and they were constantly every time. I wrote or suggested anything that, that Aaron may have been involved. You're accusing our client of computer crimes. It, or actually, they would say that my client, Ed Butowski, has accused their client of computer crimes. That was, that was the more common approach to it. Well, your client has falsely accused Aaron of computer crimes. Ed never accused Aaron of any crimes, computer or otherwise. But they said that often enough that I think it was oh, kind of, that's it was a, Freudian, a Freudian slip. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can see how this would play out. You know, some the conciliary goes to Aaron and Joel and Mary Rich and says, "Look, here are your options. You know, you can play along with us, and we'll, you know, represent you in court, and we'll get you some money, uh, or you can not play along with us, and maybe Aaron gets prosecuted for computer crimes." Because you know? that's what the FBI is looking into is computer crimes. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's so interesting. It, it's, it's like they, that happens. It's like a flag, you know? Well, right. There's the, there, you know, the point has been made many times and it's entirely correct. The FBI does not investigate botched 
street robberies in Washington, D.C. The local police handle that. That is, is generally true. So that begs the question then, why did the FBI open an investigation? Why did it take custody of Seth's laptop? And I can think of only two explanations. One is it's part of a counterintelligence investigation uh, you know, to, to figure out whether there was any foreign hacking going on or whether it came from another source. The other is computer crimes. Either of those scenarios or both would be consistent with the idea that one of the Rich brothers, Seth or Aaron, both either way, uh, had some involvement in the leaks. So, you know, that the, the FBI doesn't, doesn't take custody of laptops for no reason. And they already admitted they had an investigation. So, well, it, but back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, weren't they saying, oh, no, we didn't review the computers. We sent them right along to CrowdStrike and, you know, CrowdStrike looked to see what was going on with those computers. Well, they never said that about Seth's laptop. They they kind of oh, left. Okay. They 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 indicated that they you know they had no involvement in it. They would frequently say you know that we weren't involved in the murder investigation, which may well be true. They weren't, but but even that sounds really suspicious because you know I can tell you as an ex-cop, if if you've got a murder case that overlaps potentially with a computer crimes or a national security issue, then you're going to have local and federal uh, cooperation. They're both going to be overlapping and trading information. So I- Well, I no, they said, they said that about the DNC computers. We didn't look yes. at the DNC. Right, but, right. But we just handed those on to uh, CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike, right. But, Shouldn't they be as interested in those computers as Seth's? Because those are all the uh, computers or servers, servers and computers. Totally, yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this, and this is, I'm glad you brought that up. I sent a letter to, to Bill Barr and John Durham in October because Andy Butowski got an email from one of uh, Durham's investigators saying they were not gonna look into the Seth Rich angle. And so I, and I, this is not the first letter I've written. But I wrote this letter in October to Barr and Durham saying, look, I am aware of evidence that's been obtained during civil discovery that indicates that this is potentially connected. And I was concerned in, that the evidence might be destroyed. So I told Barr and Durham, you need to issue a subpoena to secure this evidence. You know, two, two months later, they've ignored me. No phone call, no email, no nothing. So what do you think they're doing? It's a great question. Uh, not much from what I can tell. I, 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 they, they've made very clear they're not going to look at anything pertaining to Seth Rich. They're not even going to look at the evidence. Um, I think they've developed a narrative of their own and they're going to stick with it, whatever that is. I, I, wait, I don't get it. If, if the Seth Rich thing, you know, the DNC emails are connected, allegedly, you know, in the official narrative, to Russian collusion, why would this Seth Rich thing not be of interest? There's some very, and I've actually had this intimated indirectly to me by somebody on the Hill, that there are just too many powerful people who don't want that route to be uncovered. 
well, now I'm starting to worry about you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not an insider, fortunately. I don't have any inside knowledge. You know, I'm just some nut standing outside the castle throwing rocks. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like Seth, where Seth, you know, clearly knew something that was dangerous if it was exposed. I don't have that insider knowledge. So that's, that works to my advantage. Okay. I did something because I, I just wanted to see <clears throat> what are all the signposts? Let's, let's just list the signposts that say the Seth Rich murder thing is, looks to be, here are the signposts pointing to Seth Rich being involved in the DNC stuff getting to WikiLeaks. First, we start with Ellen Ratner. Okay, we talked about Ellen. We talked about, um, we talked about Ed. Okay. We have Cy Hirsch, who testified, by the way, at the uh, extradition hearing. Okay, we have Cy Hirsch. Remember, Cy Hirsch said he had a high-level FBI source who went and took a peek at the file, at Seth Rich file, and said, indeed, there was something there. Then we have Assange publicly saying it wasn't the Russians or any state actor and offering, he's upped his offer, his bounty offer for any information on Seth Rich's death to $130,000, okay? Now we have the FBI lying in response to the FOIA information on Seth, okay? We have the NSA saying they can't release stuff on Seth Rich because it's national security, right? We have the rich family of relatively modest means all of a sudden being able to afford a cadre of tip top Washington lawyers, okay? We have the FBI saying that in the past they weren't investigating Seth Rich and all of a sudden, lo and behold, you find out they have plenty, they've been doing that. Um, we have, you mentioned Deborah Sines, the assistant U.S. Right. attorney who was being deposed in Ed versus David Folkenflik, who said uh, the FBI was conducting into an investigation into possible hacking. Right. Seth Rich, right? Right. And we have the VIPS report, Veteran Intelligence Professionals, that was done, um, technical report on Rich's uh, computer, right? Right. With uh, crypto analyst, former NSA crypto analyst, uh, Bill Binney, who was part of that. We have UK diplomat Craig Murray, who was involved in WikiLeaks getting the information from um, whomever. Right, <laughs> right. Saying yeah. that the VIP scenario is essentially correct. That's what right. he said. Then we have... Kim.com, who says he has evidence that Rich was the WikiLeaks source and he's willing to talk to Congress about it. And then we have just the plain old, they said it was a robbery when he wasn't robbed. So what right. can you add to that? I think that covers most of it. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, and you're right uh, um, about Cy Hirsch. You know, he, he a lot when he, he gave the audio tape statement or made the uh, this, this statement to Ed that was recorded. Um, there was a lot of criticism saying, "Oh, he backtracked from that story," and he did subsequently kind of backtrack from the story. But then when he was put under oath, he admitted it was true. He yeah. Admitted, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, it's amusing to me that you know little half pint journalists like Michael Isakoff and and a David Falkenflick took shots at Cy Hirsch, you know, questioning his judgment in the story, but they themselves wouldn't go anywhere anywhere near the story. In fact, when I I know I don't notify David Falkenflick at NPR, Michael Isakoff at Yahoo News, and um, uh, Andy Kroll at Rolling Stone. Okay, guys, the FBI is admitting they've got thousands of documents about Seth Rich. Nothing. Oh, you told you actually reached out to them and told them that. Well, of course, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And they didn't respond. Yeah. Well, Isakoff, I'll tell you the fact that he actually mounted a whole um, podcast, right? Looking at this thing to me was highly suspicious. Very you suspicious. Know? Yeah. And I, I would and, like to know who's paying for for all of this stuff. I think there are a lot of main, a lot yeah. of mainstream journalists are severely compromised. Some of them, it's just their rabid ideology blinds them. But I think some of them have been compromised, and I don't know what they've been offered or threatened or, you know, whatever. But, but, uh, but they're, but some of them clearly are lying. They are knowingly, deliberately lying. In fact, yeah. I sent, I, I sent a, a retraction demand to Rolling Stone based on some things they wrote about. Uh, my client, Ed Butalski, and they sent me a snarky response and demanded more information. And so in the interim, this info came out of the FBI about the 20,000 records. I said, okay, here's this. Yeah, they're admitting they have 20,000 records. And oh, by the way, I sent it to your reporter and he won't touch it. So, you know, that's bad faith. And I have to prove bad faith in a defamation case. Well, I've proved that in spades. So what's happened to the Batowski case against Falkenflik? Falkenflik is NPR, right? Yes, he's NPR. What did, what did, what did he say? What, what exactly happened there? Take us back. Well, he, he, he basically did a, a hit piece on Ed and portrayed Ed as like this knowing shyster who, who put together this false story in order to help Donald Trump and basically accused uh, Ed wow. of participating in a, a sham story. Um, unfortunately, thanks to Fox, um, Ed was strong-armed in settling with Falkenflik, or dismissing, basically, settling and dismissing. Um, so we can thank Fox News for all that. There, there were several cases that Ed filed that, that I was representing him in, that some of which were particularly strong, that uh, thanks to Fox got dismissed. Well, tell me this. Did the settlement include Ed having to admit that he lied in any way? Uh, I can't talk about what's in the settlement, but I can tell you that Ed has never backed off of his story. Um, okay. in the time, yeah, in the time that I've represented him, Ed has stood by his story. Um, he has been pressured enormously. And this is not a healthy man. Yeah. No, he uh, he nearly died in August. He had a severe heart attack and was clinically dead. And uh, yeah, that's another thing. So I mentioned Andy Kroll at the Rolling Stone. 
when Ed settled his case with Folkenflik and everybody else, or I'm sorry, when Ed settled his case with with the Rich family and and uh, and Fox, Folkenflik was crowing about that, about how Ed was backing away from what he said. That wasn't it at all. And I've got the email string where I told um, I told Andy Kroll that Ed had a severe heart attack. He nearly died. And he had to reprioritize some things. And of course, Andy Kroll left all that out and just went with his little piece of fiction. But uh, a lot of people spent a lot of time smearing Ed Butelsky. So let me ask you something with all these settlements. Um, what can be done, if anything? I mean, if, if Ed... Is telling the truth, right? And he had to settle for all, the, and and also Malia told the truth, but had to settle. Um, how is the truth going to get out? Well, I've still got the FOIA case, and um, we made sure there were some exceptions in the settlement agreement. Uh, one of which is that Ed has the right to bring a case for civil rights violations. And uh, the, the, the reason that's particularly useful is because I put the FBI on notice, including specifically the director, Christopher Ray, that my client, Ed, was being pressured to settle and that the FBI, by withholding all of this evidence, was making it virtually impossible for Ed to defend himself. And they, oh. and they ignored me. And under the case law, uh, under the First Amendment right to petition for redress of grievances, if the government knowingly interferes with your ability to defend yourself, represent yourself in court, that's a civil rights violation. And so we are now looking at a big civil rights case against Christopher Ray and everybody else who's involved in this whole fiasco. Including like going uh, back to Fox News and Folk and Flick and all those stuff? Well, we can't sue them because the statute of limitations passed. What we can do, however, is claim that all the damages that Ed could have recovered in those cases were lost because of these civil rights violations. Therefore, Christopher Ray, James Comey, anybody else involved in this, uh, John Brennan, who knows, maybe Obama himself, uh, anybody, and I would argue that the, the civil rights conspiracy is not just limited to Seth Rich, it's the whole Russia collusion fiasco. I, I, I believe this, the Seth case is just one aspect of that larger Russia collusion scheme. And there are a whole lot of defendants that could be dragged in uh, who were involved in that. Are there, are there cases right now uh, going on uh, civil rights cases going on now connected to the Russia collusion thing that um, would be useful to you? Well, to my knowledge, um, well, actually, yes, there, there's Carter Page has filed some cases um, that will probably have, you know, some significant information of use to us. Uh, what is that? What is the uh, what what is at issue in her case? specifically Car carter page yeah yeah basically you know he was framed by um the fbi and doj as some kind of russian agent 
when he was working with the Trump campaign, and they knew, they affirmatively knew that it was not true. They, they, this was actually why Kevin Kleinsmith, the FBI lawyer, was fired and convicted, or pled guilty rather, um, because he tampered with records in order to conceal the fact that Carter Page was working with the CIA and had been for years. So he was not a Russian agent. He was, you know, he's a formal Navy officer and was cooperating with the, with the CIA, but the FBI made it look like, you know, they tampered with it to make it look like he was a Russian agent. So, you know, the, the, just the depravity, the criminality on the part of the FBI and senior leadership uh, needs to be addressed. And I don't, and I'm not going to wait around on John Durham to do it because. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. I mean, I, uh, from what you're saying now, I'm, I'm, I really am beginning to think this was a dragged out containment exercise. I believe it was. I think we got played. I, I would love to be proven wrong about that, but I think we got played. I think Donald oh. Trump got played. Oh, you know what? I forgot one other thing, which was that whole Dana Rohrbacker uh, yes, scenario. Talk point. about that. Talk about that for me. Yes, that so should he, have been, that's in my list. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, he went to, he's actually spoken with Assange and tried to, to broker some kind of a deal uh, to get Assange to reveal what he knows. And I don't fully understand why Assange has not done that. I, I you know, I don't know that, I, I wonder sometimes whether Assange's lawyers are really representing Assange's interests because I and others have tried to convey things to Assange, you know, to, for example, try to set up a deposition where he can tell what he knows and uh, his lawyers don't respond. And, and I'm not the only one that they've, they've done that to, and, and I don't understand why. I don't know if that's just them or if Assange doesn't want to give a deposition, um, but the whole thing seems pretty bizarre. Well, the Dana Rohrbacker thing, um, apparently, now this was, I, I just have a note here, that's why I'm looking over here. His lawyer, Edward Fitzgerald, during the extradition hearing said that in 2017, Dana Rohrbacker offered him a deal. And uh, allegedly he was offering this deal on behalf of the Trump administration. Trump administration. Right. Okay. And, and it was that the president was offering a pardon or some other way out if Assange said, Russia had nothing to do with the DNC leaks, which Assange has already, already said. said. He's already said. Okay. And Rohrbacker said that he spoke to uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly after he spoke to Assange to say that Assange was willing to provide the information about the DNC emails in exchange for a pardon, but that no one followed up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We know what side John Kelly's on now. He was, he was a deep stater himself. So, right. Yeah. So where, I mean, this thing is so big and so dirty. Um, these 20,000, I mean, everybody gets all excited, 20,000 documents and this and that, but 
what do you think you're going to get out of those 20,000 documents? I mean, do you think that the important ones are going to be taken out? Do you think, uh, you know, Yeah, my concern, right. My concern is that there's going to be a lot of redactions. Um, I fully expect them to try to redact as much as possible. Um, you know, the, 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 the upside of that is that the judge will have the final say on what they can and cannot redact. And I, I'm pretty confident in this judge uh, that we have in Texas. I think he's very fair. And so if they try to pull any games, I, I, don't think he's going to let him get away with it. And so uh, that's- So you think nobody's going to try and reach this judge? I, they may try, but I don't think it's going to do him any good. Uh, he's, he, it's, it's an interesting scenario. He's, he is a, um, he's an Obama appointee, but it was kind of a, it was a broker deal between the Republican senators in Texas and Obama. So it's, you know, his politics, are not clearly discernible, but he uh, he stands his ground or has in other cases. So I'm cautiously optimistic that if they try to pull the wool over our eyes or his eyes, that he's not gonna let them get away with it. You know, I've talked to you about this before and this person has just disappeared off the face of the earth. And I think she's a really important person to talk to, Debbie Wasserman. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, that, I, what, what you, you know, you asked what might be in those records, what I'm really curious about and this, I won't pretend that I know this to be true, but I'm, I, it's, it's a question in my mind is whether there's any overlap between the Imran Awan clan and Seth Rich, because we know that Imran Awan uh, was, was working on the IT infrastructure at the DNC. And this would have been during the time that Seth was, was working there. So the question, you know, my others have had raised this same question. Is it, is it possible that Imran Awan or one of his associates discovered what Seth Rich had done? And we're afraid that they, they being Imran Awan and his group might be discovered as a result of the leak. So maybe they took some kind of action against Seth. I don't well, know that. We need to tell our listeners what those what Emran Awan and his family members who fled for Pakistan when they were discovered what they were right. up to. I mean, it's actually yeah. shocking. It is shocking. Um, and that's a story that really still needs to be explored. They were IT contractors for the Democrats on Capitol Hill. Um, they were also contracting with the DNC while Debbie Wasserman Schultz was both a member of Congress and the chair of the DNC. And so basically they were, they were running uh, all the infrastructure for a significant part of Capitol Hill. And um, there are people who tried to blow the whistle uh, and raise their suspicions about what was going on. And they were just, they were completely shut down. I and mean, those guys, yeah, but those guys were using uh, parts of their budget to overbuy stuff, right. and then they would sell it on the side. Right. They had this well. whole side business going on, and they would. Uh, there may have been payoffs 
to people in Congress to allow them to use their accounts to do it is what I understood that whole thing to be. There, there are a lot of angles to this. I, I do, do suspect there are serious national security implications. My strong suspicion, based on the fact that there was such a bipartisan effort, Paul Ryan was a speaker at the time when this was going on, and he, as much as anybody, was responsible for shutting, shutting down the investigation of the Iwans. Uh, I think the Iwans had blackmail on God only knows how many members of Congress, and there was just a bipartisan decision, we're going to sweep this under the rug. Um, you know, but what we've seen just lately with uh, Eric Swalwell, I think Congress is severely compromised on multiple fronts. The DC is ba basically a giant mutual blackmail society where everybody's got leverage on everybody else. And so I think it's the only way they can get away with some of this stuff is, is, is blackmail. Everybody knows dirt on everybody else. So you don't think that there's any, um, I mean, in your, in your efforts, once you go through all these documents, which is gonna, uh, again, one of the things that a uh, former NYPD bomb squad guy told me is, you know, one thing the FBI does very well is wait out its detractors. You know, yes. they throw paper at you, right. lie to you, you know, um, I'll tell you something I learned as a deputy sheriff in, in rural East Texas. And that is, if you want to catch a fugitive, you call the U.S. Marshals. If you want to catch a drug dealer, you call the DEA. And if you want to hold a press conference, you call the FBI. The FBI. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I got burnt by the FBI once. That's I right. did. Yes, I, yes, you sure did. You know? When yes. I when I found that guy, I found all his records. The this uh, smuggler, he was smuggling in uh, illegal workers, and um, oh, I thought you were talking about TWA. No, okay, that was big. My first, my first, um, how would you say, boink job uh, <laughs> from the <laughs> FBI was. They'd been trying to catch this guy for a million years. And I went down there because I speak Spanish and I, you know, made friends, whatever. And I literally got some some people to show me where this guy's smuggling records were. Like here on wow. this day, you know, his they call them coyotes, right? Co coyotes. Right, right. So I found his coyote records or they, I was, and I had made, I made a deal with the local cop there cause I'd been working with him. I said, I'll tell you where this stuff is, but first of all, you have to let me film it first. And then secondly, when the FBI comes down here to arrest the guy, I want to be in on the, on that. And he said, okay. He goes, but you're going to have to talk to the FBI separately. I'm, I'm not spoke to the fbi they said okay fine and what do you think happened not yeah. a, they you know they did it they didn't notify me and then and then they held their press conference right right you know, we right. did this and we did right. that I was like, oh yeah. you did did you yeah yeah you know exactly i mean typical typical it was just i you know, it, anyway. Well, they, so, they've always been showboats, but now they're corrupt and potentially treasonous showboats. Well, 
there's so many, I mean, Mueller, Mueller again features front and center in this story, right. just like he did in, you know, various other stories. I mean, that guy, oh, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, what do you think your chances are for uh, success? What success do you think you'll have? That's a good question. Um, I, I think we'll, we'll get a, a major piece of significant information out of the government, multiple pieces. I think it's going to take time. It may take additional years. Um, but the plan right now is we're just going to wear them down. You know, we're not going to go away. What and do you think the Biden administration, <clears throat> what effect the Biden administration is going to have on your work? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I've wondered that myself. Um, I, there's a part of me that thinks they don't really care. You know, that they got away with it. So who cares at this point? You know, that Biden is there to protect everybody. Nobody's going to be prosecuted. So here's your records, you know, drop dead. You can't do anything to us. I, I think that may, may well be there. I think that may be why now they're finally starting to acknowledge all the records that they withheld is because they feel like they're protected if Biden's in office. Well, how does that make you feel? I mean, does that take wind out of your sails or does that just? Not really. More? Well, well, I'll let you in on something. I mean, you, you've probably pieced most of this together yourself. I mean, those of us who have been fighting some of these battles share notes and the, the, you know, for the last four years, there's been talk about the resistance. You're going to see what a real resistance looks like starting in January. And there are going to be cases filed left and right by private litigants. And the objective is going to be to just bankrupt some of the people responsible for this stuff. And that's my goal, you know, on behalf of Ed Butowski. I want to bankrupt some of the people that did this. And so well, I may not, may not be able to send them to prison, but I can take their money. Well, that's always very important to these people, as we know. We're yes, going to have to leave it there because we've run out of time. But... We're going to keep this series going. Great. And uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to keep a close eye on it. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next. Stay tuned. Okay. Thanks for coming on, Ty. Thank I you. Great it. to see you. Okay. Same here. Bye. Take care. Bye bye.